It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Fired up, fired up. Thursday, we go 2 to 5 every Monday and Thursday. We start early. We go to National on the, uh, well, we go to the National Call on Westwood One. Uh, tonight, the Commanders and the Bears. And you know, it's funny, last week, uh, I think we referenced or played Al Michaels sounding all mopey and crappy uh, when he was doing his live read for next week's game, which was the Commanders and the Bears. And I'm, I am actually kind of fired up for this game. No, two young quarterbacks. It looks like Justin Fields figured out something for a game. <laughs> Sam Howell's had his moments. We have the Jordan Love Justin Fields bet that we're tracking. So that game's coming up at 5 o'clock. We'll get into that a little bit later on. That was the laugh of John Von Tobel. Damon is here, Finley Toyota Studios. John, how are you? Good. Uh, you and I were talking about adult things before. And Did I bum you out? No, I mean, it's – so I'm buying um, – for our audience, I'm looking to buy a new car. Right. You know, the car, I've, I think I've filled you guys in on the saga of what is happening. So, you know, I've been going used car most of the times. Uh, but this time we're going in, we're getting a brand new car – um, my wife's car was a brand new car when she got it. So, you know, and thinking about the kids, maybe one of the kids is going to get this car now down the road. Who knows? Um, but yeah, there's just like numbers and, and letters and percentages and MSRPs and things like that. And I'm just, yeah, I'm out. You know, we have like uh, eight, nine car dealership clients that work with Lotus Broadcasting. So I'll, I'll tell the other side that you need some help and we'll get you something. How about that? I mean, is it a discount? Or is it just help? <laughs> I'll take the discount. I just gave you the silence. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm hoping that I'm going to go to as many car dealerships as possible, throw my whoa, ID down, whoa. And, and hopefully they'll be like, at one place, they'll be like, oh, you're John Von Tobel, you're JVT. <laughs> it's going to be the first test, the second I throw my ID down. If we don't get a reaction, out the door. I want to make a transition here, but I don't have one off of that. Uh, it, no, I, I was just thinking, uh, adult stuff does suck, um, and... You know, getting a little older sucks, and we we're kind of hard on grading broadcasters. And you know, we referenced Al Michaels last week, and you know, Al's maybe not as sharp as he was ten or twenty years ago. Um, he's in his mid seventies, right? And as you get older, things slip. And you know, there's something yesterday that completely slipped, and I f- almost felt mad when I got reminded of it at you guys. Maybe I threw you off with the the topic, but I was asking, "Hey, get me fired up for the Major League Baseball playoffs." And we went through every freaking team. And I'm sure there are people driving around like, idiots, the most obvious team you need to get fired up about, good or bad, are the Phillies because they have the Las Vegas guys. And then Bryson Stott responds. And after I heard these calls and, uh, you know, watched the highlights of this game, I was like, you know what, that is the team we should be pushing for or against. If you hate Philadelphia, you can do that. But, yeah, Bryson Stott, that was awesome yesterday. That stadium was jacked. Those fans are great. Here is the TV call of Bryson Stott when he hits the uh, Grand Slammer. Into the corners, and Stott drives one to right. That's deep. That is gone. A Grand Slam for Stott. And I did forget. I don't know how I did. And I have to be reminded of this. Regular season baseball is one thing. Postseason baseball can be awesome because of the size of the crowds Mm -hmm. and then the long delay between pitches sometimes and the crowd shots and the drama and then – that was already, you know, headed towards comfy territory for the Phillies, and then he kind of seals the game with a grand slam, and that crowd was going crazy. This is the local call of local Bryson Stott, who, of course, uh, went to high school here, grew up here, went to UNLV. Uh, this is Tom McCarthy 
And the other thing that got caught on the highlight was they, they're all singing his walk-up song. Fans are singing along with Bryson Stott's walk-up music. Lefty on lefty. The infield is in. And the pitch to Bryson. Fastball hit in the air. Deep to right field. Going back is Sanchez. He's going to just watch it go. A grand slam for Bryson Stott. He has lifted the roof off the building. And the Phillies have opened it up. They're on top seven to nothing. The great thing on that call, uh, when the Vast Sound crew found it, uh, Tom McCarthy, who's a very good broadcaster, he does NFL as well, I think, for CBS and uh, a lot of college football. He tried to wait it out, and he's like, the crowd wants a curtain call. And it went like 75 seconds, and I'm just watching Stott and the dugout, and there, there's no recognition of doing a, uh, <laughs> a curtain call. And I don't even know if there should have been one this early in the playoffs. No. He never came out. Yeah, it's the first round. So like, then the highlight just It's the wild was. card round. Like, yeah, <laughs> Okay, let's see if we all get this one. I don't know if it's going to come across correctly. Maybe you need to see the video. Someone took all of the announcer sound out, and I just want you to hear kind of the the rise in level as the uh, – I, I think one of the best things on baseball highlights is the crack of the bat. Yes. Because it kind of resets what's going on. Someone will be talking, you just hear, and then the crowd explodes. But you can hear the crack of the bat, and then the crowd just goes friggin' crazy. See, there you go. Your old man's soul is getting stirred by baseball. It just takes a reminder. Yeah. yeah. You, do, you know, because there's so much going on, which is a great thing. I'm so into football, like so much into football. And then the UNLV stuff, I'm like, ah, I forgot about baseball. I was also, this is a really stupid reason. Uh, I was a little sour right after baseball season because of fantasy baseball. Because I, re- I do actually follow a lot of baseball and play in a bunch of fantasy leagues. And I, I came up short in a couple of leagues on the last day. And uh, I don't do these things for money. But if I did, I, uh, I got whacked for some money. And, and uh, I was a little annoyed. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to watch the playoffs. Speaking of fantasy, uh, so I, I like to go through different things, like phases of my life. Um, as we all know, I'm a modeler. Uh, if, I don't know if anybody knew that. It's my identity. You never now. mentioned it. You should publicize it more. That's a very good point. Um I have a new phase now. I'm going to be a fantasy basketball guy now. Good. Yep. I'm going to be a fantasy basketball guy. Yes, let's do one. Because I always talk about it, and then the season starts, and I'm like, ah, I forgot to do it. I joined, a, I joined like two random Yahoo ones yesterday. I uh, really? Like, I'm in. Let's do it. Okay. Can you take the lead on this? Sure. And then- uh, How about listeners? At me, JVT. Send me a tweet if you want to join the ESPN Las Vegas Fantasy Basketball League. Okay. Uh, well- um, none of these losers I will join. I will send I'm in. you. I mean, you yeah, t- the, I figured the, th- you're the in. three of us will be in for sure, and then I will send you a list of other possibilities. Okay. All right. Never mind. Don't send me tweets. I'm not. I'm gonna ignore you. I'm too good for you. <laughs> that's, not what, that's not what's going on. That's not what's going on. You're very. I think you're ready to be national feisty today. You're already oh, national. Oh, okay. You're 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 ready to be very feisty today. But I think we gotta we're gonna have to get you fired up. So that's coming up in about five minutes. We got Curtis Terry coming in for a good portion of the show. Stanford Route is in later on. Xavier Pope is at the end of the hour. So we're loaded. We're going to be all over the place. Great topics in sports and outside of sports. But let's do a giveaway right now. 364-1100. Alice in Chains. Yeah. Yeah, Alice in Chains. October 10th. Bach Theater. Planet Hollywood. 364-1100. Caller 7. DeMond's got two tickets. Tickets are on sale right now for uh, or at Ticketmaster.com. It's Planet Hollywood, October 10th, Allison Chains, 364-1100. See him in the Mall of Willowbrook. Boo his ass! If you see him on the DMV, boo him! Don't stop booing him! If he goes to the Pro Bowl, boo him! If he wins a Super Bowl, boo his sorry ass! Screw that guy! 
fool this man! Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. There you go. Sports Radio at its best. That was uh, Don LaGreca, New York Radio sidekick. I think he's with Michael K. still. He's had some epic meltdowns in the past. Has also bragged about his football uh, acumen, his football acumen. I think he was a tight end at Don Bosco Prep. Right, yeah. uh, cool. So he's kind of a big lumpy guy now. Uh, DeMond's here. JBT's here. And boy, Cofield. I'm trying to think what the he – had, he had. Oh, you know, what he, he, you know who he was? He was attack analytics, and he yes. kept saying Pythagorean. Pythagorean! Pythagorean! He's mocking on – analyst and that's what it, that's when we found out he was a high school tight end like i know the game play tight end in high school <laughs> okay all right cool you know you i played d tackle in high school yeah. so I'm, I'm an expert on interior defensive you, lineman play. you can yell it but it doesn't make it more valid now this one is interesting so he'll set this up but evan neal one of the linemen for the giants hasn't really been playing well he was a very high pick and he got a little mad the other day on the field, and was kind of shouting at the crowd, at the Giants crowd. Now, as it turned out, he was asking them to boo even more. And then he went into a little bit of social commentary, and I'm telling you, I'll explain why I think there's becoming a much bigger chasm between fans and the players. There's a bunch of reasons, but this player feels like, hey, who are you to boo me? Why would a lion concern himself with the opinion of a sheep, he added. The person that's commenting on my performance, what does he do? Flip hot dogs and hamburgers somewhere? Are you kidding me? I'd cut his ass. I would. How dare you? These people pay your salary. They pay an obnoxious amount of money to park, an obnoxious amount of money for PSLs to sit there and watch this pap, and you call them hamburger flippers? What, you're so much better? I'd rather have a guy that's flipping hamburgers block than your piece of garbage ass. Okay, now you can you can hear it like it clicked in like, wait, is he calling me a burger flipper? And then he's kind of back in the fans. I actually kind of like this take because this is something I've been talking about. You know, when Sean Payton comes out and then Sean Payton's all frustrated because the Broncos and the Broncos coach allowed 70 on him, he goes after a media member, which to me, the media people who cover the teams every day really are a conduit to the fans. So now you're kind of yelling at the fans who are unhappy about giving up 70. And I don't know when it well, became that media like, member. We, like we don't we not like how dare you ask me something like What's this? What's the question? Well, that was a dumb yeah. question, though. It's a question that gets asked all the time. No, you've but, been a coach for thirty years. Know. Keep going. Well, I, just, I don't. I don't want to get caught up on that. It's a completely yeah. different topic. But it, when it came to that. The entire press conference, Peyton opens up with his thoughts on getting blown out by 70, and then the reporter stumbles through and goes, just when it comes to that 70, you know, uh, and and they, like he had nothing. And so and Peyton goes, what's the question? And he goes, well, how do you feel about that? And, and Peyton's response was, I just told you right. what I felt about it. Uh, like, Matt, but Matt LaFleur did the same thing. Sure. Matt LaFleur did the same thing. And we're seeing two guys who have had mostly good times as NFL coaches cracking because they're being asked tough questions mm-hmm. after a rough game. Don't be a child. 
Don't be a child. It's disrespectful to the person in front of you, but it's even more disrespectful to the people, as LaGreca said, who in a way pay your salary. So this New York radio guy, again, it's Evan Neal, said, you know, he looked at the crowd and he's like, who are these people to boo me? They're basically nobodies. Who are they? So then LaGreca comes over the top and he's like, who am I? Who are you? Who the hell are you to talk to fans like that? You piece of garbage. I hate when players do that. You're not above us. What, because you happen to play a sport? You're better than me. You're better than the people that pay your salary. These giant fans were here before you, and they'll be here after your sorry ass is cut. What a piece of human trash. So I came into this thinking, you know, I'm not going to like this. Right, like I don't like going after players and whatnot, and it's very strong you know, the, calling someone a piece of trash. Right, but the more I listened to his point, the more I kind of got behind Lagreca. All right, because here's the thing: like, would I, I, I if I were to tell this to Don Lagreca, he'd be like, "I do it." I don't know if he's calling Evan Neal garbage ass to his face. Right, I don't know if he's doing that. I mean, maybe he is. Who knows? I would bet money on no. I'm willing to lose that bet. Having said that. Like, I understand the frustration of, like, don't go after the fans. You know, if you're if you're struggling in your job, it might not be great to get booed. But the point of, I don't know how much it costs to park at the New York, at, at, you know, New Meadowlands or whatever. I'm sure, it's not 20 bucks. I'm sure the tickets that they paid weren't 45 bucks. And so to go out there, hey, okay, you're going to get booed. As long as those fans that he was directing his, you know, slights at, weren't flipping you off, weren't calling your family names, weren't throwing out any racial slurs. There's no need to then try to demean them or you de- right with the way well, that, you know, with your commentary. And here's the thing, when you're in the heat of the moment, if you do something that, you know, maybe over the line, yeah. That's one thing he was egging on the fans to boo him more. I mean, this is after the game, after the incident. You've had time to think about it and cool down and then that's when you come out that there are a bunch of burger flippers and you know they're cooking hot dogs like it it really is super expensive to go to a game this is all created by the nfl and the clubs the ticket prices the parking the concessions the desire and i guess you should show uh, as a fan a little bit of self-control but the desire to get everyone's money to make them blackout drunk Mm mm-hmm And then, in general, the treatment of fans in certain situations, the NFL tells a lot of fans, you're stupid, and you're going to keep coming back, and you're going to like it. And that's why the chasm, like we saw it. Mark Davis is in a friendly environment that turns ugly pretty quickly. So Mm fine. He's in L.A. where there's 70% Raiders fans, and then they're yelling, like people, there's no wall anymore. And in that case, it was a low wall, and they're screaming at Mark Davis. There was a uh, Jets cut from, maybe it was the Chiefs game, but uh, it's someone over the tunnel and Salah's running in and Zach Wilson is running in and they're like, these are expensive tickets, guys. Hey, Zach, I paid a lot for this ticket. I mean, they're making a point, but now people feel you know even more free because of the money they're paying to be screaming at football players. And you know there's a lot of players who are like, I don't deserve this. Who are you mm-hmm. to be yelling at me? My advice, and I don't mean to hammer on fans, but I say it all the time for going back to Derek Carr with some media and some fans. Bro, why are you punching down? For Evan Neal, it's part of the job. It sucks. It's unpleasant. Why are you punching down? You're also 
you're not in a position throughout your short career to punch down. You haven't been great. <laughs> like it's not like it, it, I would understand the frustration more if Evan Neal was awesome and had one bad game and it was like New York, me, you know, and they're all booing him and everything like that, right? But instead, it's like you've kind of been subpar. The team kind of stinks, and now all of a sudden you're doing this. Eh, like you should, you should have seen it coming, man. I think more we should talk about how Don LeGreg is amazing. <laughs> I don't know if he's amazing. He doesn't want to give him credit. No, I, I want to give him amazing. all the credit. I I love the meltdowns. Yeah. Good job of the vast sound crew, but the the third banana on that show, Peter Peter Rosenberg, where oh, he's man. like where he's trying to do like the more in the clip, he's like, Hey, calm down. He's trying to calm him down. But you can hear he's like, No, I'm i I'm going full force. I'm going full force. I'm sorry. They've had it out before where LeGreca turned his ire on to Peter. Was like ready to fight him. Ah, he's not gonna fight him. He's all. It's all just that. that most of it is all just. I don't call it showmanship, but you're you're getting a little too over the top with the screaming and the yelling. He was gonna fight his. And co-host. I disagree. He would say that to Evan Neal's face. Well, I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would say it with the exact same tone. You look like you think he would. What fight him? Or just say that to Evan Neal to his face? I have no idea. I mean, look right. He, the the radio guy is probably fifty something. I mean, would he still do it? He's a pretty big guy. Former high-level athlete. I have no idea if he was, but well, I, think, I, mean, I mean, you, you should be. High school football. Yeah, you school. should be willing to do it, that's, which, which takes some, some nuts when a guy's 6'5 and 320 pounds. Right. That's why, I mean, look. Maybe I mean, that's a, pretty that – is. I mean, I yell about people, and, you know, I've been, I've been kind of getting on LaFleur a little bit and Zach Taylor especially and Sean Payton. I mean, if it came to it, if, if there needed to be a screaming match, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I mean, I, I mean, these are these are wild scenarios because you don't have a chance to do it, right? But uh, no, I pride myself in whatever I say here. I'd say to the person that we were talking about. So, but we know. I mean, we've we were listening to what's his face on ESPN alleging that Brandon Staley was fixing games like a week ago. Uh, Chris Carlin. Yeah, right. I don't think he Chris would, Carlin's he never, doing that. He would never say it to his so, face. So, by the wonder. way, he was complaining today because he's a Big Ten play-by-play guy on radio. He was complaining today about not having Wi-Fi on his Thursday flight. For a Saturday game against Wisconsin, wow. which, which, if to put that in perspective, you understand what that means, right? Hmm. Well, with Power Five money, you're going out uh, like a day and a half, two. Oh days yeah, early. yeah, yeah. It must be nice. What are you talking about? I can totally, I can totally connect with that. That resonates with me. Totally resonates with me. You, uh, did you ever get a better deal when you were flying cross country to uh, Atlantic City? Uh, I mean, or, I paid out of my pocket for, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, exactly. remember, you know, see what I'm saying? Those, like you, of yeah. course. But you know those big jumbo jets, like the like the three rows. You know what I mean? Like kind of like the one we flew to Hawaii when we were, when we went to that trip, uh, where it's like you know, there's like two seats, th- like five seats, and then two seats, right? So you use those especially around holidays because a lot of more people are traveling, right? And they break it up into like three different sections as well. So there was one time where I was sitting with the common folk, and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to shell out an extra fifty bucks. So I can at least get a seat up in like the other area, so I can sure. have some room. Yeah. And then it was great. Shelled out the extra fifty each way, so hundred bucks. The way back home, you're gonna like this, Devon. I think Steve would too, because I don't know how you guys would react to this. I was like, man, I'm gas. Like I'm tired. It's a red eye. I'm trying to get some shut eye. So I put my tray table down and I put my head on to go to sleep. The lady in front didn't like the fact that she felt me weigh her seat down, and boom, just throw her through her weight back nice. multiple times until I got up. It was great that I spent an extra fifty bucks on that. Oh wow! Yeah, did you exchange words? 
I was too tired. Oh, no. That, that would have woke me up. That would have energized me. Five minutes me. ago, you were just talking about standing in front of a 6'5", 320 guy. And no, I don't say I would do that. Okay. I agree with the premise, yeah. but I would I would phrase right. my disagreements proper a right. little bit differently. And you got my point on... Uh, You're garbage. You got my point on power, <laughs> power 5 play-by-play guy complaining about no Wi-Fi on the plane. Oh, of course. Um, it's ridiculous. Pay the $15. We have, we, have a, we have people listening right now who do not want to hear media people... Talk about their free flights I, to go watch football games. I used and get to get paid for it. Shut one, up. One of the old. I mean, I'll be honest. So I know they, they're part of my you know, corporate umbrella. One of the reasons why I stopped listening to Levitard show so much, they it, it does not resonate with me when people talk about travel, and they like to talk about the trips that they take every every weekend yeah. to places. I hate it, and it's just not something that connects with me. It's it's not something I'm lucky enough to do. It's not something that I find interesting. So like when people complain. About the ability to go and do with that, they I just lost, I can't do it. They've lost touch with reality. Yep. Uh, Peter King, I don't know if he still does it. Peter King always has some travel notes at the bottom of his MMQB. I stopped reading. His like, travel do, notes? He, he did in the past. I mean, he might have stopped five years ago, but I don't know. I don't read it. Wow. Because again, it like if I were as a as a media person, it annoyed me. If you know, and I'm not calling people out there poor schleps. We have great jobs. Sure. Like we th- these jobs are coveted some more they're, than others. They're awesome jobs, and to hear people. Complaining about travel because you know the seat wasn't big enough, or they didn't. It wasn't first class like, or you know they weren't allowed to put their head on a tray in front of them. You know, pay for the no, that one was human interaction. No, that one that that's like an average travel story where where you're like, lady, come on, what do you do when they put the hair over the seat? I guess pull it right. I did it on. I I, one time I did you trap it in the tray? I was gonna say I trapped it. Oh, sorry, I didn't notice. My bad. I will then, then start pulling a little bit. <laughs> I want to say this: when I went back to Tennessee for Labor Day, I paid the extra money for the leg room. Yeah, and then Wait, the, the the guy next to me was an actual tall person. Yeah, I kind of felt like I was wasting a seat. No, you paid, paid for, for the leg room. Yeah, I was. Well, are you like, like are the are exit you, row? Are, right. Are, yeah. yeah. What do you What do you wear? Like thirty thirty eight at five foot seven. I didn't. I didn't need it. Yeah, that's 30? the point I'm making. <laughs> I don't know. What's so when I got ne- when the guy next to me is six eight, I'm the reverse. I'm thirty eight thirty. How long are your pants? Like how long are your pants oh, legs? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not discussing. He pants just came out his. The thirty-eight thirty. That's not like huge, is it? Well, I mean, it's it's bordering more like the same thing with me, where it's like you know, forty-four or twenty-four. Thirty-two just, thirty. Or who's? Oh, or uh, McKinnell. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the picture of McKinnell, where he looked looked like as a child, he was wearing uh, yeah twenty-eight uh, <laughs> like eleven. <laughs> I guess left. There's no legs at all. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. John, are you into the zone? Modeling way, fantasy basketball? I mean, the Wayback Machine. Are you uh, into the Pac 12? Well, the four from the Pac 12 that left to go to the Big Ten, that sort of merger? I'm sorry. USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon going to the Big Ten. Are you into it? Uh, yes. Are you into the scheduling possibilities? Yes, I, I am into watching those. I feel like it's oil and water, like oil and water, right? They don't mix high flying, falutin offenses from the West Coast to come in there and play Big Ten football. I mean, I, I can't wait. The Big Ten, yes, yesterday, yeah, yesterday released the Big Ten schedules in conference for 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. Why so far? I don't Planet. They're going to add. It's like, good for the fans. They're going to add like six more like programs. Between now and then, that's a good point. But next year, we know next year for sure. Ooh, I like some of these. Look at so right off the bat. Look at Michigan. So give me the give me the five. You know, I think they have 
A lot of teams have three of what I would call the dangerous opponents. Yeah. And I think the dangerous opponents are all four of the Pac-12 schools, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Who else do you want to add in? Anyone else or is that the seven? That's the seven most dangerous. I think it would be the most dangerous, yeah. Right? Rutgers. Should you include Wisconsin? I guess. They're not really that well, – But we're, say, we'll say we're the, assuming growth, though, so yes. Okay, yes. We'll, we'll say they're the eighth. Yes. Right? So look at Michigan's schedule because I think the average team has four of those seven. Some have three of the seven. Look at Michigan's. Oh, I'm looking. Illinois, Indiana, Ohio State, Washington, Michigan State, Minnesota, Northwestern, Oregon, USC. So they have four. Oregon, yeah. USC, and who were the first two away games? Oh, uh, well, the, the first two away Not games. Not the first two away games. Who are the two big boys away? The two big boys away from Michigan are Ohio State and Washington. Okay. So that's a pretty tough schedule. It is, but, I mean, of and course. why is that to... done? Who's pushing all of this? TV. Oh, of course. And what I noticed when I looked at it, a lot of the kind of the programs that have struggled or are trying to build actually get a softer touch because they're like, we're not giving them – USC consistently, we need big TV games. So a lot of the those seven power teams with the two conferences sort of merging, they actually get screwed with scheduling, which will be really interesting how they're judged in the college football playoff because it's going to be really hard to get through the schedule with no losses or one loss. You're going to have a lot of these, you know, you could have several of these power programs, the seven that I named, have two and three losses in conference. And then what do they do with the CFP? Mm-hmm. Wow, USC's schedule here is uh, pretty <laughs> nice for 2024. What is it? It's a Pac-12 schedule. Give me the dangerous spots. Uh, the dangerous spots on the road would be Michigan. Yep. And then UCLA and Washington. <laughs> they only have three of them. They, yeah, they only have three. They don't have the Penn State other, or Ohio State? Maryland, Minnesota. And then at home, they do get Penn State and okay. uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. Oh, and Rutgers. Got to include Rutgers. Do you – do you think – I don't know if you guys remember because you're a little bit younger, but, you know, one of the real themes of the Rose Bowl for the longest time was – and you're out there for a trip. Um, the notion was that the Pac-12 had a lot of success because the Big Ten teams come out and they're like, oh, paradise, right. and get distracted. I don't think that's going to happen this time. No, I don't think so. They're conference games. And and those are at the end of the year, right? So that's like the, the ultimate prize. Right. You know, you've worked so hard. Now we're finally here. Now instead it's – all right, it's October 11th, boys. Let's get on the plane. Let's go play a football game. What's more – I mean, we already know the answer because they took four of the best Pac-12 programs. Um, those Pac-12 programs, especially because three of the four play high-scoring offense. Chip Kelly's still kind of a grinder guy unless he's got an awesome quarterback. The, the I think the trips for the Pac-12 teams into Big Ten country are easier than going the other way. I would, I would disagree. Because of the style of football. I, would dis- I, st- I think the high-flying football will still work. Unless it's like 15 degrees. Um, I think a lot of the Big Ten teams are so cool and accustomed to one yard and a cloud of dirt and a quarterback who has almost no chance to make the NFL because they can get away with it now because there's like offenses all over the Big Ten. Now all of a sudden when Washington, Oregon, and, and USC especially, when they come in, it's like, holy crap, these guys can score you know, through the air like this. Now, you know, how do we compete with that when we don't have a quarterback who can throw and come from behind? Yeah, I, I think I would disagree with those late schedules. You know, like those when we're starting to get into it now. Those November road games in the Big Ten, like a lot of those arenas, like you're talking about wind, you're talking about snow. Those are the kind of things that could really disrail an off, derail an offense like that. I mean, look at last year. Ohio State Northwestern was ridiculous. Ohio State scored like what twenty points, if that, because the wind was insane. Boy, your host.
host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope, is live on Cofield and Company. All right, Demond's here. John Von Tobel, Cofield, Finley Toyota Studios. Let's bring in our buddy from Chicago, attorney, cultural contributor to uh, Cofield and Company. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you, Steve? I'm good. What is going on with a zombie apocalypse? <laughs> what is there, happening? Some weird conspiracy theory came out that the emergency uh, management uh, service sent a, a alerts to everyone's phones yesterday. Oh. And, and everyone's, you know, every, your phone went off, right, Steve? Oh, yeah. Yep. Every, every, everyone in America's phone went off, and people literally made up these conspiracy theories that like something crazy would happen in the world, like a zombie apocalypse. There was someone that I know that told me today, someone there, they know, took their kid out of school ahead of the time that emergency management service sent the text message to avoid the zombie apocalypse and didn't tell the family. So there was a, the, the other ex of that person was supposed to pick the kid up from school. The kid wasn't there oh my God. and she didn't tell him. And then it turns out she took him home to avoid the zombie apocalypse. Crazy stuff out there. I mean, I, I communicated with my wife what was happening, so I don't know why we have to make this a big story. All right, I, I overreacted. I'm sorry. I was worried about my child. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, can, can I say really quickly, Xavier? I, I I'm I guess I shouldn't be surprised at this point. Should I be surprised that that was like a social media phenomenon for like an hour? I immediately went to Twitter to find out what people were saying about the national service warning, and immediately everybody else was tweeting about how they all went to Twitter to find out what was happening. I are we this? This is like an idiocracy thing, right? Like I was immediately attracted to social media to see what everybody was going to say about that alert. That's why it's social media. It's social. Everything that weird, because we're all, if it is, here's the thing. That was a perfect moment for social media because everyone got the alert. So everyone is part of the conversation. So anything, I feel like the biggest things that really take over a certain moment is that everyone has some sort of connection to it. The wider the connection, everyone's going to be on social talking about it. My wife and kids have been out of town for the last 10 days, too, so I think I just feel kind of lonely. And Steve's never going to call me. Uh, all right, uh, let's go to a big story that happened. You did call me yesterday. Actually, that was kind of weird. I didn't want you to call me. <laughs> uh, all right, WNBA uh, announced that uh, is, it is expanding, um, the expansion, of course, out to San Francisco. Is, is this a good idea? Like, we, we've had all these stories about travel and how, how tough it is for these women to play the game that they love, and now we're adding another team to the mix? The expansion only can be good for the WNBA Uh in uh, that, at the very least, you're getting more exposure to the sport in different parts of the country. Um, the attendance was up last year. Um, you do have some down markets in, in the WNBA. But I think the, the future is still bright for a league um, that's now turning the corner on its mainstream exposure. Well, But if I'm a player and I'm looking at a league that constantly says, hey, we can't pay you that much and we can't travel you responsibly, aren't you like, how about fix that first? Say that again, Steve? No, I was saying this is a league that doesn't really pay its players that well, and then they're constantly complaining, and they're, they're right on this about travel. Uh, the league seems to have funding issues, and they're like, oh, let's expand. Yeah, that, 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 that's true, uh, and because that's going to dilute up salaries potentially even more. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what the WNBA is doing in so much, because they're thinking to add other teams, and so – I'm wondering whether this will help them in future rights deals because that's where the money is going to be for these players 
to be able to make more money is they're going to get more, more money for from TV and all this other merchandising to be able to help those players. And so maybe the league is looking at that in terms of positioning the league to be able to make more money uh, off of these broadcast deals. Is it fair to or unfair to ask the question, is this league ready to expand from a talent standpoint? Is the talent pool large enough for women's basketball that the, the teams would not suffer in terms of competitive balance? I don't think that any, I don't think a, a, a guy sport would be asked that. Uh, I, I don't think that, that you don't really hear that in, in any other professional league. So I've, if the league wants to expand and thinks that there's a talent pool out there, maybe, maybe it's something to be considered. And if it's not, that's something we'll, we'll obviously see in terms of the product that's on, on the court. Um, but I think that even though the WNBA is pales in comparison to other male sports, I think it's important to, to maybe stop. I know we're wanting to pick, compare the salaries, but on a, on a one-to-one level, I don't think it's really fair in terms of the success of the product and what it's been doing in terms of mainstream exposure, or especially over the last couple of years, to really compare it with a, a mainstream male league in terms of growing and expanding when it's doing something that other leagues haven't done, any other women's league has ever done in the history of, uh, of North American sports. Xavier, I want to turn your attention to college football as Pat Fitzgerald is now suing Northwestern for $130 million, and his attorney, Dan Webb, explained that it's for his remaining contract and future earnings. Is there any legitimacy to this lawsuit? $100 million. That's a lot. Uh, the thing about these lawsuits, though, they do put pressure on teams in terms of uh, maybe some points that Pat Fitzgerald may have some sort of uh, – been in that maybe makes him less responsible for his actions and maybe getting some money. Uh, he, he's not going to get $100 million, but he, he can press and potentially get a settlement as Northwestern doesn't necessarily want to go through a lengthy trial with some negative things about the university comes out. The, the discovery part is what it's all about. Maybe some terrible things come out about Pat Fitzgerald, but maybe some pretty bad things come about administration. And that's what leads to uh, these settlements that maybe not $100 million, but definitely – puts him a bit richer than he was before the lawsuit. John, give us the story here about uh, My elect- maybe getting electrocuted? Uh, about Amazon getting oh. into college football. Uh, sorry, there's something in my apartment complex. Steven uh, just doesn't think that I have a lawsuit here. I think I do. Um, no, so <laughs> we're having this uh, expansion right into streaming platforms, Xavier. We know that Thursday yeah. Night Football uh, is on Amazon Prime now. Well, it does seem that Apple and Amazon have discussed acquiring college football playoff rights as well. So the next media deal could include Amazon, Apple, or both having the rights to acquiring a college football game. And, of course, that's more expanding out to 12 teams. Like, is this is the future, right? Like, you're going to need subscriptions now to Apple and or Amazon to watch our sporting events when it used to just be part of a cable package. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's just the future of the ability to watch whatever you want, where you want to want, whatever device you want to want. That's just – and live content is the most valuable property you have. We just talked about the previous segment about the WNBA – there's a future prospect for something like that to happen with that, that league as well as it continues to expand. But that is something that obviously has to trickle down to the players. I know that the NIL deals are getting bigger. Not as big as people thought they would be, um, but if that is another slice of the pie that players as collectives should be able to take advantage of to be able to play when now the, the, the difference between student-athletes and uh, what they are is uh, semi-pro professional athletes you know, come to bear. Does that only happen when we've got a college football players association they unionize? 
<laughs> Thank you for saying that because that was what I was where I was going next. I think that the union aspect of negotiating rights as it relates to tele- like, who, who's going to do it? How, what's going to force college football to say we're going to share this money with you? Uh, on an individual basis, it's much easier because it's just you. You have you're okay responsible for yourself. But we're talking about a collective. That's a much bigger issue to face, and that requires some sort of collective bargaining from from the players and in and of themselves. Xavier Pope is on Cofield and Company here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, so there was an interesting decision for Joel Embiid for international basketball play next year. Uh, he had an opportunity to choose between Cameroon, France, and the U.S. He chose the U.S. Do you think that Joel Embiid screwed over Cameroon and France? Not at all. Why? He lives here. He lives here. He plays basketball here. Uh, and I think that – I don't think players I, – I think if you have to think about international sports, it doesn't have the same feel as it once did in terms of players strictly playing for their country and wanting to play for them. They play where it's convenient for them. Uh, uh, so I, I, I think this is a non-story to me. Uh, you've seen other athletes do this. Play, live in multiple countries and start, decide to play for another country. I mean, it, it, that's what it boils down to. He can do whatever he wants. He's lived in those multiple places and have those different backgrounds. So be it. We have a really interesting story that I want to get to here in a second. John, you follow up? Well, I just wanted to make the final point. He, he did speak on this. He said that one of the reasons why he decided on America was his son was born here. So, okay. you know, there is a connection, Steve. Uh, he USA! Wants to okay. USA! He wants USA! To win. I can't hear you. USA! That's right. He wants to win. Team USA. That's yeah. bottom line. I mean, he could play with France. France is going to be pretty good next year. I know. Too. That's what I was saying. Although, I don't think yeah. he likes Rudy Gobert, so I think that's probably, probably Oh, is that right? That would that, that'd be a good uh, 5-4, huh? Having Joel Embiid play power forward, stretch forward, and then Rudy Gobert down low. Center. Victor Wimbanyama <laughs> at the three. Oh, my God. That's a good – did you hear what DeMond said? What did he say? Uh, Victor Wimbanyama at the small forward. So, they could be 7-5, oh, 7-5, seven, seven, five, seven foot, 7-5. Seven, wow. At the, at the, now, at the 5-4 and 3. Come I'm, on. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, Joel Embiid totally betrayed his country. Holy we <laughs> Well, that was terrible, though. Very stereotypical. Wow. That was DeMond. Just for the record, that was DeMond. Apologize to the French right now. Don't. What is going on right yeah, the, <laughs> Not the most offensive guy that we've come across the last couple of days. Um, I have to get your take, and I don't know if you got a chance to read the Rolling Stone story, on Kyrie Irving, who's got a cause that he's backing and a concern. And, like, at some point, he just starts crossing over himself. So the latest one, and I wonder how much he read on this, he is now a brand ambassador for something called, I think it's uh, Anta, which is a Chinese apparel company, but there's really a deep background that makes this company kind of look pretty lousy. Uh, human rights issues, yep. uh, the connection with it. Uh, I mean, forced labor, Uyghur Muslims. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, come on. If you, I don't know what Kyrie Irving, what he stands for. I don't know if Kyrie Irving knows what he stands for. He's just a strange guy, you know? And I think that that's something that's just to, to recognize. I, I don't think he, he attempts to do any harm. Uh, some of the different things he does are altruistic. Some of the different things he does are confusing. He, he, he's just a strange guy. I, I, I can't really put my finger on it other than that. I don't, I don't necessarily think – I think he thinks, he thinks some of these things through. Um, whether it's thought is actual process for him, I really can't tell you. All right, last one. We got to close out on this. Uh, we had talked about this yesterday. What did you think of Jimmy Butler 
on media day and really photo day, the photo that lasts throughout the season. Who did he come out as, guys? This is uh, He's emo Jimmy Butler. He's upset e- because emo they, didn't, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, okay. they didn't get Damian Lillard. What do you think of him doing emo Jimmy Butler? And then apparently the Miami Heat organization is now mad at him because they have a certain culture and this doesn't match their culture. I mean, he came out with the long, crazy dreadlocks last year that weren't yep. real. He's, so, I mean, he's done that before. I, I, I had a, a tweet that went viral uh, comparing him to a character from Friday, the movie, fixing his hair, sleeping on his hand. Uh, it, the night before he has to get up to keep his yeah. hair fresh. Uh, it didn't remind me of any emo. It reminded me of a 90s Bob. Uh, that is great <laughs> hair, though. I am very jealous. That's what a great <laughs> what a great photo for the entire season. Every time they put up a graphic, they have to put up this picture with his yeah. hair like this? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah he, <laughs> he has to keep it that way, and yeah. he, it would require him sleeping on his hand, from what I understand, oh, or using right. a nice little wrap or bonnet. Uh, but... Uh, I, it, he, he got us talking, but that uh, talking about the Heat after they lost Damian Lillard, unfortunately. Um, so that's the most maybe most exciting thing may be about the Miami Heat this season. Oof! All right, good shot below the belt. That wasn't fair. All right, Xavier, we appreciate a couple minutes. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Love you guys. There he is. So on on Kyrie, so he's fronting this company, Anta. Uh, they've been accused of contributing funds, and by the way, there have been letters sent to the NBA to point out human rights violations, but. That Anta is contributing funds to the. It's now. It's been going on a long time. The uh, Uyghur uh, genocide. You remember last year he. I mean, I can't say he backed it, but it was because then he backed off the whole uh, documentary. The Amazon. It wasn't an Amazon documentary, but it was available on Amazon. On Amazon um, you know, talking about the Holocaust and the fakeness of it, and, and uh, you know, Jewish people were this and that. Uh, not speaking very complimentary of it. Uh, then you remember he's also very pro-Muslim. Then we go back to the Uyghurs and they're Muslim. So you're like, uh, what? What are you back? Or is it just like he just uh, he just he sees something, he gets a quick impression, does not deep dive. I don't know. What do we think? Money is money, and uh, they also sponsor multiple NBA players. I'd say their most famous one is Clay Thompson, who also wears the Anta shoes. Oh, is that right? Yes. They, they, okay, well, when did, when do these guys get called on the carpet? Exactly. Or are we now in a world because of the, you know, also the uh, Saudi invasion into sports and the kind of the sports washing that it's just now we can't turn back. Not every player should have to answer for potential atrocities. And th- th- Think about what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit weird. Hey, you don't have to answer for it. Lots of players are doing it. Lots of companies are doing it. Lots of teams are doing it. No accountability. Oh, don't cool. don't, don't right. worry about it. You don't need me here. Well, I know you'll do anything. Oh, well, that, yeah. Sign me up. Blood money? Sure. I know how to get blood out of shirts. I'm good. I'll take Come it. Come on. This was your story. Oh, well, I was going to bring it back to where you have guys like Clay Thompson that also are sponsored by Anta. They wear the shoes. So we all can point fingers. No one can point fingers in this world. Of- but doesn't it matter that Clay Thompson is not an outspoken athlete that has tried to take stances that don't make sense? So if I don't complain about human rights issues, I shouldn't be held account. I shouldn't have to answer for them? Well, no, but the- Kyrie wasn't exactly arguing about a human rights issue. He was saying the Holocaust was fake. Well, he didn't say that directly. No, he just, sorry. But he he just promoted a documentary that did. I'm yes. just putting it out there. You can choose to follow that information is all he was saying.